Hey, son of a ginger listeners. On this episode, Mason got a puppy. My mom was like, okay, you've been asking for Netflix. We're going to get Netflix when we move. I was 12 years old. Instead of a puppy, you got Netflix. Yeah, instead of a puppy. We got a puppy too. Uh, <laughs> Patrick poses some questions. How does Netflix fare to where they might have to finally stand on their own two legs? And I don't think you need Netflix. If you're paying for so many streaming services and something has to be cut, what keeps Netflix off the chopping block? Now let's see what Timmy Gunderson's parents have been up to since our Watchmen episode. Previously on Son of a Ginger. He might never truly regain his own memories. You guys want to see the electric slip and slide? It's all the rage of 97. Timmy, just stop. Just stop. Where is my little boy? Who taught him the electric slip and slide? Did you find my secret box of VHSs, Timmy? I'm... I'm Lube Man! Lube Jimmy Jim! No, Timmy, come back! I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Gunderson. Your son has slipped away. I don't know, Darla. I just can't believe he's gone. He just slipped away like that. There's nothing we can do right now. We've given the police a picture of him as we knew him, but who knows how slippery he is right now. How much lube is on our little boy? All right, all right, all right. Just take a seat on the couch and let's just watch something on Netflix. Why? So we can just see all of those documentaries about missing children in front of our faces? No, thank you. No, chill out. I just want to get nostalgic and watch Stranger Things for a little bit. That has missing children in it who are trapped away from their parents? They show you Will is in the upside down. He's not gone forever. He's not gone like Timmy. It's a little more happy than our situation, darling. So you think that our son is gone forever? Is that what I'm hearing? I hope to God he is, that disappointment. I cannot believe what I'm hearing right now. Our only son. I'm sorry I got a little ahead of myself. I understand. We just need to turn our brains off and be TV zombies for a little bit. Let's just find a dumb reality show to just sit down and relax to. Here, how about this? How about Greased Up? It's time to get old greasy, old greased up. Are you fucking kidding me right now? When our son is identifying as Lube Man? Darla, Grease and Lube are not the same thing. You know what, Gene? They might as well be. Oh, give me a break. And in today's episode, we go over the science of lube. <laughs> okay, 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 we're changing it, we're changing it, we're changing it. How about desert desserts? This week on Desert Desserts, we're gonna sunbake a Pop-Tart. How could you even suggest that? You know Timmy loved Pop-Tarts. Timmy hated Pop-Tarts. You just fed them to him because you thought they were healthy. How could you even say that? He loved Pop-Tarts. You would know that if you paid attention at all. All right, Darla. Do you remember what Dr. Krollhausen said? What? Deep breath in. Internal scream out. <coughs> okay, let's pick a new show so we can forget about Timmy. <gasps> Temporarily. Temporarily. Welcome back to Greased Up German Dances. Why are you doing this to me? What, you don't want to watch this? I love this program. Of fucking course you do. Is this about what we talked about at the hospital? Absolutely it is. And it's about our son. And there's lube and there's Germans. And he was talking about that in his sleep. And I don't know why you're trying to drive me insane. It's fiction, Darla. There's a reason they call it fiction. It's fake. I don't watch non-fiction German porn documentaries. If what you're insinuating is that I had something to do with how Timmy ended up, 
You are completely mistaken. I think he absolutely sensed that you were disappointed and that you didn't want him around. And that's why he's gone forever and we're never going to see our little boy again. Great, you punched a hole in the wall. Now I have to call Franz to come patch it. Oh yeah? You want Franz to come patch the wall? Oh yeah, and guess what? Every morning I wake up and wish that you were dead. Dead like Timmy and dead like Loopman. I just want to watch Netflix. I've picked three shows now. Why don't you pick something? Well, fine. Give me the remote. I'll fucking pick something. Now, listen, my marriage, it's a story. My husband's a schmuck. Why don't we watch Marriage Story? At least it'll be a break from our problems. That actually sounds like a pretty good idea. Hit play on that. And I don't agree with her. But we get through it together. And welcome back, Son of a Ginger listeners, for the newest episode of Son of a Ginger, The Streaming Showdown. Bum, 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 bum. As always, I'm your co-host, Patrick Baylor, with my wonderful set of other co-hosts. I'm Beth Marcinko. And I'm Mason Option Paralysis Moreau. Option Paralysis? What is that? You haven't heard this? Yeah, it's the theory that when you have too many options, you can't make a decision. It's the feeling you get of scrolling through the Netflix home screen. That's why my back hurts so much. Paralysis, you say, right? I will actually spend an hour looking through Netflix and adding things to my list and rating them if I've already seen them on, you know, somebody else's account and just end up not watching anything and turn it off and listen to a podcast instead, which uh, I hope is what you're doing right now. Yeah, because I'm sure the whole world is within option paralysis right now with what has been on Netflix and what is more so the big theme of why we're doing these streaming showdown episodes There are so many more streaming services to come, and this was kind of the mold of streaming services that truly did change the game in the 2010s. So with this bevy of options, the big question is, do we still need Netflix? We're inundated with options. We have a lot. And everyone is making good TV. Every network has something fairly respectable and be like, oh yeah, I'll watch that. That sounds good someday. Does Netflix have that still? Right. And, you know, we were discussing how we should frame this second streaming showdown episode. And we landed upon this question because a lot of other industries have shown us that the first company to do something won't always be the best. I mean, we saw it with BlackBerry, then Palm applying their digital planner tech to a smartphone. And then all of a sudden you have Apple with the iPhone and it is the next thing, right? Yeah, they introduced it, but Apple made it cool. Right. Netflix is cool, but I think that Over the course of the past decade, Netflix went from killing Blockbuster, which was the first big thing, just a completely dead sort of Friday night activity going to Blockbuster. They ended up killing Blockbuster and then became the like ideal way to rent your movies, right? And then Redbox became a thing and started kind of cannibalizing them there. And then simultaneously, they were ushering in their new tech for streaming movies to your laptop or to anything. I'm talking 2006. The history of Reed Hastings and Netflix. Yeah. And so, you know, we landed upon this question because, yeah, Netflix is what started it and they really did own the past decade of in-home entertainment that's not video games. But when we look forward to the next decade, there are a whole bunch of other streaming services on the horizon that are really going to start to cut away at Netflix's piece of the pie. So we're starting to ask the question, 
Do you need Netflix? Will you need Netflix anymore? So a lot of people think of Netflix, like you ask someone on the street, what is Netflix? They'll say a streaming service, right? But it wasn't always that, right? Especially when we were kids. Patrick, what was your first experience with Netflix? It first was available on my PlayStation 3. I was curious what it was, you know, parents spent the money. It was late middle school, early high school from around 2008 to 2009. And yeah, so the Baylor family, we were first watching Castaway. That was one of the movies that we really liked. And then Lost was on there and we kind of caught up with that right as it ended and really got into the whole bingey part of it. Baylor family really loves getting stuck on island stuff, you know, big subgenre. But then the part I really appreciated was, oh, if you couldn't find any of those on there, you could still do the mail-in portion, which I did do. I remember I got like some random like Lewis Black special. If y'all are familiar with his comedy, he just yelled at people essentially. Oh, I used to watch all of that late night on Comedy Central. That was one of the big like TV experiences for me in general growing up and like forming my sense of humor was watching different Comedy Central late night things that were accidentally unlocked on our Dish Network. Exactly. So that's kind of how I circumvented some of those parental locks and just got the thing rented and sent to me in the mail, and then I could kind of watch, not necessarily whatever, but I was a slippery little cat. <laughs> Meow. You know, what's really funny is that my first Netflix experience was a mail-in. My friend and I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show on DVD at her house, not on any substances as sophomores in high school. And we just watched this weird ass movie and asked ourselves, why is this so popular and why do so many people go see it and why did our parents like let us see this right now because both of our parents knew we were watching this and it was just super weird and then later I've seen it in person several times doing the time warp in person is so fun and that was like from that foundational weirdness of like what the fuck are we watching? And then I also remember the first time I streamed Netflix was thanks to a friend who gave me her password so that I could finish watching Gossip Girl, which was just a treat for senior year Beth. It was just a great way to avoid doing my homework. I remember Gossip Girl was also an early hit with my sister when it was all first. <laughs> the syndication, so to speak, on Netflix was beginning. Right. And we should mention that Netflix with streaming or without streaming was an option at one point where you could get the mail-in DVD without streaming capabilities, mm -hmm. or you could get the mail-in DVDs, plural, with the streaming capability on top. But yeah, it's really cool how Netflix has become this signal of monumental change in how we consume things. Personally, for me, my family was moving from Louisiana to Georgia. We were like me and my siblings were all very unhappy about it to please us or help the grief a little bit. My mom was like, OK, you've been asking for Netflix. We're going to get Netflix when we move that. I was 12 years old. Instead of a puppy, you got Netflix. Yeah. Instead of a puppy. We got a puppy, too. Uh, <laughs> a puppy and Netflix. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah. Pup flicks. Pupflix. They just delivered us a puppy in our mailbox every two weeks. That's the streaming service I want. Uh, Screw the others. I want Pupflix. Maybe not in the mailbox too long because that's uh, unethical. That's a recipe for disaster right there. Right. Like the little sixth grade movie head I was, I was basically the manager of our Netflix account. I set it up. I made sure all the movies were delivered by Friday. I had it down to a science. After a few months, you were then totally qualified to run one of the failing blockbusters, right? Then I pitched them my idea for a show and they greenlit it and we filmed the whole thing and they scrapped it at the last minute. Damn it. Another sort of turning point 
for me in this quick succession of events related to Netflix growing up, they told me, hey, do you have a PlayStation, an Xbox or a Nintendo Wii? Like it was just straight up on the service. And they said, we'll send you a disc and you just plug it in and it puts our streaming app on your PlayStation. All of a sudden, this whole new world of content was opened up. Obviously, we subscribed to the premium streaming and DVD service, uh-huh. you know, rolling in that dough. Puppies and movies, man. So now fast forward 10 years later, ish, give or take, where they truly are media giants. They run this stuff. Netflix is a media giant. Netflix is a media giant, and so many other gigantic businesses are low-key copying their model. Not even low-key. Not even low-key. High-key. I sincerely feel like Netflix just started out saying, we kind of want to be the next HBO. We're licensing content to give to people for a premium. And then we have a couple things that we throw in there that are made by us that are extra good because they're made by us. And then it just started to snowball until all of a sudden... Streaming services, probably primarily competitors to Netflix because Netflix doesn't run ads. Streaming services are the place that people want to run ads and not on cable television anymore. Not as much. This whole new market, this whole new thing was started because Netflix decided to let us stream our movies. I mean, they change how we watch TV and movies. I remember one of the hardest parts about adapting to Netflix was not being able to just see what was on that you really had to actively choose your content and that was a really jarring experience coming from just having television where you know if something's on you watch it if there's nothing on you either watch something that you don't like or you go do something else and now we just have so many options not just on Netflix but from every streaming service that exists that you have access to and I still find it to be a sort of overwhelming experience, but I've now learned kind of how to choose my content. And so I think that that choice being an individual's is what also has led to Netflix creating so much of their own original content. As a viewer, you've learned a new way to do maybe the same thing that you used to do with traditional TV. There's the show that's like, I'm going to binge this all this weekend. This is my show. And there's other like maybe more slow burn shows that like it maybe just comes out kind of culturally relevant. You'll get to it. And then there are shows like, I mean, for a while up until a few weeks ago, they had friends on and you just play that in the background and you cook and then you clean and then you beep bop around, you know? Well, and what's funny is that TV just used to be that thing that you might have had on in the background, that traditional television where, okay, yeah, I'll throw on Food Network while I make dinner or whatever. That's what my mom used to do all the time. And now it's almost more separate. It's separate because it's like the TV schedule isn't dictating your schedule of like, okay, nothing's on. Well, I'll just do some random chores. It's like, okay, I need to do these random chores, but I still want to be entertained. Well, let's put on a new episode of Cheer or something like that, you know, or all the episodes of Cheers. There's so many Cheers with Netflix. (laughs) In one of my apartments, the TV was right over the counter from my kitchen into my living room. And so I'd stand and do dishes and turn up the TV really loud so I could hear it and just binge watch shows for hours and hours while I did dishes and clean the rest of the apartment and whatever else. It just became my ritual. And now other networks have noted and are taking that model away. You know, we had the first big heavy hitter around the same part of the gate with Hulu. And Hulu's been around for a while and now they're owned by Disney. So again, we'll now return to the question that we kind of posed earlier. Is Netflix still worth keeping when you can just do the same viewing experience anywhere else? 
You know what I hate about Netflix now? That you can't give five-star ratings anymore. Luckily, you can give us five stars and write us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And to make sure you never miss our entertaining entertainment reviews, hit the follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Now back to the show. Back to the question of do you need Netflix? The obvious answer is no. Nobody needs any streaming service. That's the like fundamentalist answer, whatever the hell you would say. It's a hard question to answer because how much are you really missing by deciding to just not pay for Netflix? Because one thing that has changed is Netflix is more expensive with all of these originals that they have made since their success over a decade ago. It's a double-edged sword because you can you can totally protest and say, I'm not going to do Netflix. I just want to do cable. I just want to screw Disney+. Plus. Just have the content served to me. I don't have time to pick it. But then we're now in a world where not everybody is watching this finale for The Sopranos when it airs. Everyone has their own show. When the finale for The Sopranos aired, everyone was watching it, even people who didn't have HBO. And now everyone has their own show and everyone's sort of secluded off to their own groups. And if you choose not to be a part of one of them, then you're just out kind of on your own. Well, and I wouldn't even say that it's people choosing cable over Netflix. I think it's just if you're paying for so many streaming services and something has to be cut, what keeps Netflix off the chopping block? I think that's the big question that people are struggling with right now. There's Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and HBO and Showtime and just all of these amazing services and There's just so much good quality content out there that is exclusive to each platform. Is having Netflix worth the money for what you're paying? And I think that the real solution is that you maybe switch services. You switch between them when you don't want them because as of right now, there's no penalty to canceling them. So, you know, you can do a free trial. Netflix lets you do one for a whole month. That's incredible. You can get through a lot of shows just by doing that. So if you've had Netflix for a long time and you don't find yourself watching it, like why keep it on your bill? Here's why. Netflix keeps making good stuff. And that's the simplest way to do it. We just made light of marriage story. Oscar bait. I remember like when they first tried to make Oscar bait, so to speak, with Beasts of No Nation back in 2015. And it was just like a little too shameless, but they were close. But now they're acquiring and getting these truly much better films that are great contenders. We just watched The Two Popes last night. Loved all of that. So like just in the movie department, I think it's doing really well. Original series, it's kicking ass. I think Netflix has still had the original content to keep me coming back and keep me paying that bill. I totally get that. And maybe it's something where you come back to Netflix once a year you know, if you're into the Oscars, once they announce the nominees that you pay for it again, and then you cancel it. I just don't even see a reason to pay for it all year, though. Here's my other reason. I don't know about you guys, but I'm the guy that wants to at least somewhat know what I'm talking about with anyone. I want to know what's going on in any water cooler. And the one cool thing about Netflix and how Netflix viewers watch things is that they do binge things or watch things very quickly. For example, a lot of my coworkers were watching you and I haven't seen any of it. I hate how I kind of felt a little left out when they were just talking about this, that, and this to make me almost think, should I watch you just so I can know what the hell I'm talking about with this other group of people? You know what I mean? Well, that sounds like a you problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it definitely is. But to be honest, should your answer be to your coworkers, I don't have Netflix, they're just going to stop talking to you about it. and It's not even going to bother you anymore because they will leave you out of the conversation. If they know you have Netflix, then 
they'll be like, you got to check it out. You got to do But I have FOMO. Right. The FOMO thing is certainly palpable. But to me, this sort of goes hand in hand with what we've seen in video games as well, is the free-to-play Candy Crush business model of this game's entirely free, but if you like the people who made it, or if you want to support the developer, then you can pay a dollar for this cool thing, or blah, 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 blah. Netflix, apart from any other streaming service, has proven itself to be a patron of the arts, especially this year. And what you're getting with the $15 you're spending a month, which is the price of a Friday night movie ticket, is you are in a very indirect way helping to support people who create great things. To me, that is the strongest argument as to why you should keep Netflix around, even if it doesn't have something that you like, because eventually something's going to come around that is going to justify keeping it. I think that while both of you guys make really good points about why you should keep Netflix and I totally identify with supporting artists, I think that there are other ways that you can do that and that it's a kind of a privileged way of looking at consuming media. Oh, for sure. That's why I said in a very roundabout way. You're not walking up and saying, I want to give $500 to this studio or to this gallery, right? You're not just walking up and saying, I want to fund your film. But not everyone has the time or resources or know-how to do that, nor should they need it. But they do have the time, resources, and know-how to hit that Netflix app on their smart TV or PlayStation or whatever and watch all this media that way and support that way. Right? Sure. Right. It's relatively accessible. So with all this access... One thing that made Netflix big was before the originals, it had all this stuff from other networks all in one app where you can keep up that way. Breaking Bad, that's how it got its second life to now fast forward where Netflix co-produces an original movie with them. Arrested Development, that was originally on Fox, and then they make a co-production. And those are just with the co-production part. And there were reports that like 70% of viewing in 2019 was watching either The Office or Friends. And now shows like that are going to go away to their original studios that made those. And Netflix and all these other streaming services might be more originals driven than the syndication deal here, distribution deal here from someone else. So how does Netflix fare in that way to where they might have to finally stand on their own two legs? Well, it's interesting because... You mentioned Breaking Bad, AMC and Netflix certainly cut a deal for their shows at some point. And it's funny that major networks at one point were using Netflix as sort of a marketing tool for their Sunday night programming or, you know, whatever they were showing on their network. They were using Netflix to kind of promote the next season. You know, season three of Breaking Bad wasn't out on Netflix until a couple weeks before season four and that kind of thing. So it's funny to see Netflix get so big after doing that, that now the networks are scrambling to be like, how can we get streaming on our own stuff? How do we get our rights back? I think that it was inevitable that people who own the rights to this stuff would stop licensing it out to Netflix. But I think that they're just saving money not having to license out all of this stuff for their platform. So they're just going to throw that into their originals and have more money to make something that's to the scale of a Game of Thrones or to the scale of Inception or Interstellar, something that is just completely ridiculously paid for. Like they tried with Marco Polo. Look how that worked out. <laughs> like they tried with Marco Polo. But I think that Netflix has been moving in the originals direction for many years now, starting with high quality content like House of Cards, continuing with Orange is the New Black, 
Now we have The Crown. Now we have Stranger Things. There's so many Netflix originals that are out there that have really high production value. And there's a lot out there that Netflix produces that is really low production value that I don't generally watch because I don't find that type of content to necessarily be enjoyable. But it's out there and it's there for people to consume. And Netflix is really known for a long time, it seems, that they're not going to be able to license content forever. It shows a lot of forethought on their part. I am going to be the most curious to see how this will affect some of those Second Life shows that we mentioned. Because, like I just mentioned you, that was originally on Lifetime. No one watched it on Lifetime. No one. I hope these networks are able to prop up their original content. But I don't know if they'll be able to do it like Netflix did. Because I think Netflix really had the momentum to help a lot of those shows from wherever they originally were when they got licensed on there to help lift those shows up. It's a matter of the mindshare of the audience capitalizing on the demographic that's going to subscribe to a streaming service. What do you think about when you think NBC? It's probably not many of their shows from the past five years, with the exception of The Good Place and Superstore, which are both comedies. Can you think of a single NBC drama that's come out in the past 10 years that was worth anything? This Is Us. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. So that's the thing. Like, It might not be for us, so to speak, but there are so many audiences that We'll be able to latch on to these things, I think, wherever you get it. Going off of your point about you and how few people watched it on Lifetime, I think that those networks that aren't, you know, what we consider the main network television channels are going to continue to feed into Netflix and Hulu and these other services because their content does not have as wide of an audience on its own. And having a platform like that to get the word out about their original content is still going to be valuable to them. So does Netflix still need to exist? I think for those channels, it does because it still offers a lot of value in terms of money and audience. Right, exactly. And when you think of Netflix in your mind, I think when most audiences think of Netflix in your mind, Beth, like you said, They have forethought in mind, foresight in mind. They always have what's next in mind. And customers know that. And do they know that about NBC? Do they know that about Hulu? Do they know that about HBO? Probably about HBO. HBO has been pretty good about remaining relevant and picking content. And that's remained their strong suit. I think that's how Netflix is going to continue to emulate them is continuing to pick content that is can't miss content. Who cares where it's from? And that is how they're going to continue subliminally telling customers, we always have what's next. We always have what's new and fresh, right? Is just by picking content that they know will keep people subscribed. Well, speaking of subscribers, Mason, I hope all of you have subscribed to us wherever you get your podcasts over here at Son of a Ginger. We have a lot in our library as well, and we're going to keep giving it to you. And if you happen to listen on a platform like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us five stars and a review, we would absolutely love that. Tell us what streaming services you subscribe to and why you think they're worth it. So with that, my streaming warriors, I've been Patrick Baylor. I've been Beth Marcinko. And I've been Mason Option Paralysis Moreau, and I don't know what I'm going to watch after this. <laughs>